0: Good evening. Um, I know that uh, some people don't know this about me, but I can worry about things and things could bother me and throw me off. And I'm right there right now that I was watching some news. I don't like the news. I don't watch it, but just I don't have netflix so i have to watch the news so i was watching the news and i had heard a disturbing story about uh this tragedy that happened in buffalo and then in california and i'm bothered by just life how we have struggled in it but then i think about worship you know, God designed worship for these very times. Uh, in Psalm, who's reading for me? Could you read real quick for me Psalm 100? Listen to the words as he enters this Psalm and. Pay attention to what he's saying. Listen how he speaks. And this is about worship. Listen to what he says. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. He says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. That's one of the purposes of worship. Now, we do get together, and I call it a family reunion. We get together and we worship, we sing, and we go through the, what we call the corporate worship. But it's supposed to be handled in a way of making a joyful noise. In some versions it says, shout to the Lord. So when I look at worship, worship also is a medicine for the soul. Why is it a medicine for the soul? Because in worship, we focus on God, not us. We focus on God, not the world. We focus on God and not tragedies. We focus on God and not worries. We focus on God and not our situation. We focus on God and we magnify God. That's what we do in worship. We magnify Him. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. We're magnifying that idea that He never leaves us. And and what it is, it's a chant. It's a chant. And singing, that's what singing is about. It's a chant. It's, it's to get you going. It's like at the beginning of a ball game, you know, when I was in, I went to Westview High School in Martin, Tennessee, and, uh, my senior year of football, we were one and nine. But every pep rally, they would cut the last class early on Friday, and we would go into the gym, and they started yelling, We're number one! We're number one! We're number one! And I was thinking, no, we won one. But what was the purpose of the pet rally? It was to get you, yes ma'am, it was to get you excited to try to do something that you really couldn't do. Unfortunately, the other team had pet rallies too. But that was the purpose of it. We're number one. We're number one. There's not a friend. Like the lowly Jesus. Yeah, we're number one. No, not one. We're number one. No, not one. We're number one. And this, for that purpose of getting you excited to where you're not just caught up in octaves and, and you know, in pitches, you're caught up in we're number one. We're number one. And that's the purpose of it. It's for you to lay aside all of this stuff that's clouding your mind and focus on God. Not what's happening tomorrow. Not what's going to happen at the end of the day. But focus on God because we need to allow that to marinate in our spirit. God is bigger than our problem. He's more than our existence. That's why we can get excited about there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. He never leaves me. He stays with me in that corner where no one else could ever go. There's a corner in every single person's body. There's an upper room in your body that no one else goes. There are places that is in my beautiful wife that I don't know about. In the back part of her mind, she won't share with me because maybe I'm the problem. But that part, God said, I built that room and I'm in that room with you. I will never leave you. Worship is that magnifying glass on God. It's that just God, that's it. And God says, look at me. Look at me. That's it. And that whole time he's telling you, I love you. Yeah, 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 you know that problem? Yeah, yeah, I know about it. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, you know what he says? He says, don't give vain babbling and vain repetition when you pray. Why? Because God already knows what you have need of before you ask. That's why we worship. I'm coming here and oh. I'm, I'm just tired. I ate that big meal and I didn't get my I didn't get my nap in. (laughs) I'm time to come back. Ah, well, that's what the pet rally is all about. We got to play the number one team in the state. We can't run. We can't forfeit the game. So what do we have to do, preacher? Let's go. Let's go. That's all. Oh, that's what we have to do. That's what worship is. Worship is the Yeah, 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 yeah. That's worship. It's to get you stirred up. Why? Because you're about ready to go out into the battlefield. There was a church that had on the exit door it says, "You're now entering into the harvest." Whew. You don't feel good sometimes, but that's what worship does. It is a medicine. If you use it right, it is a medicine that will soothe you. It will hold you. Man, it will comfort you because it gets you to lay aside the Internet, the bullying, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the husband, the wife, the problem, the life, and just look at God. And some people don't know how to be in a room with God by themselves. Welcome. <laughs> He's an intimate God. Worship is intimate. It's not a collective gathering only. Worship is intimate. For you are the body. I'll be right back. You are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ and members of in particular, do you know right now, there's some people sitting among you right now and they're smiling and shaking their head and everything is, but they are dying inside and God knows it. And everybody else is singing, There's not a friend like the, but God is coming to them going, I'm here. Worship is a medicine. I'm not going to get to 2nd Chronicles as deep as I, but I'm going to read some of it. In 2nd Chronicles chapter 20, there's a story of King Jehoshaphat, the children of Israel. They were threatened by the enemy. And here, here's my notes. See, I have notes. See, I have notes. And, well, if I could read them. 2nd Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 30. Verses 1 through uh, 1 and 2 Jehoshaphat is told about a problem. And he goes crazy. He is nervous. Verses 3 and 4 says Jehoshaphat prepares the children of Israel for worship. When hard times hit you, sometimes, man, we just go, I got to get the calculator and add it up, and and I have to get this, and I have to get this, and I got to work out. No, 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 no. Grab God First. You remember Job? When all this stuff started happening, what's the first thing he do? He said, naked I came into this world. Naked I shall return. Blessed be the name of God. We have to remember God is not a resource. He is the source. Worship. Man, uh, Jehoshaphat, he prepared them for worship in in, in verses uh, uh, 3 and 4. And then verses 5 through 12, you know what he did? He reminded God of his promises. That's what worship does. It reminds God of his promise. Moses did that all the time. Lord, remember what you said. Moses, what God said, you know what? I'm going to destroy all the children of Israel. They will not enter my land. Moses said, uh-uh, uh-uh." Um, um, um. If you don't mind, sir, if you don't mind, you remember what you said. <laughs> Worship reminds God, God, remember. Lord, re- remember what you said about the blood. Lord, I- I've sinned and I'm struggling and sin, and I can't get out of it right now. But Lord, remember what you said. And God, you are a God of your word. That's what you said, Lord. Worship reminds God. God said, I had to put a rainbow on the sky to remind me not to. <laughs> Jehoshaphat, he said, Lord, remember your promises. You remember what you said, Lord, about, about forgiveness? about guidance. Lord, I'm suffering. I've been beat up. I've been run down. Lord, you said you wouldn't forget me, Lord, but, Lord, that's a worship that It reminds God. Lord, please, please remember me. And then verses uh, 13, this is important to, in, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Verse 13, he says that everybody, men, women, and children were made to worship. That's a message for families. I remember when I was young at Old year Road Church of Christ, we had a minister to come in. He was from Rochester, New York. Name was uh, Wilson Dicker, great minister of God. He came in, and he had attacked it that made the church grow. In the 70s, he would go to the men and teach them the gospel and convert them because what happened? The men would say, wife and children, we going to church. We're going to church. And we grew because he knew where to target. Make sure, mothers and fathers, that your children are here at Sunday school. And don't send them, come with them. Worship is a family thing. And verses 14 through 17 God answers with a promise of power and confidence. You see, when you worship enough, do you know worship chases away fear? It's very hard for worry and fear to be in your mouth when you're too busy giving praises to God. Fear and faith is very hard for them to share the same room. One's going to overpower the other. Heard a man said, if you had two wolves on one, one wolf on one shoulder, one wolf on the other, and they begin to fight, which wolf is going to win? He said, the one you feed. (laughs) Worship feeds faith. Faith feeds worship. Man, y'all, we look around, man, we live in a world that's being beat up. And if you're not careful, that's all you will see. But you know what worship does? Worship turns stuff around and you start seeing stuff that the rest of the world don't see because of worship. You start hearing stuff that other folks don't hear. Worship is an intimate gathering of God's people. It's not just about rituals. It's intimate gatherings of God's people. You know what? Uh, uh, I believe they said in the first uh, recorded Church of Christ, the first instrument, if I'm not mistaken, if I got this wrong, any of you historian people you know and I'm wrong, don't say anything. But they started trying to bring in this instrumental music. Put the piano up there. The guy said, or the preacher said, the reason why he said, we brought it in, he said, because the singing was so terrible. So you're trying to fix a problem of cancer with a band-aid. Putting a piano in a church is not going to make the singing better. You know what makes the singing better? You. Stop singing around and just... Thing like the Jesus. What if we had a pet rally and all the football players came in there and you guys are cheering them on and the cheerleaders are going... We're number two. I mean, one. We're somewhere in there. Yay, let's go get them team. (laughs) Singing is always in the Bible associated with joy. James, the fifth chapter, he said, if any man is joyful, let him what? Let him sing. Singing is a natural product of joy. You ever get a good, You ever see a kid with a plate from from a a good dinner, a a good food on a plate? You see the kid. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's just natural. Singing is something that God, I believe, puts in us as part of a remedy for sorrow. Singing brings about confidence. And what did he say here in, in verses 20, 21? He said, and they sang and gave thanks. Worship is not a ritual. It is an intimate gathering of the saints focusing on a king that has already given us the victory. So when we sing, there is, Beyond the azure blue, a god concealed from human sight, he tinted skies with heavenly hues. Sing it with me, sing it with And the earls with his gray. My, don't play with it, sing it. Come on, ladies. Come on, ladies. From the star God created man, he is our God, the great I am. Now, I'll tell you something. If you were singing that because, well, that's the way you're supposed to sing and sing and coming to this part, coming to this part, yeah, that's good, but... <sighs> ever serenaded somebody? We were on a, 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 a family reunion in Virginia, and my wife was sitting there, and we were doing karaoke. And I got the song, and my wife's, one of my favorite wife's favorite song is Truly by Lionel Richie. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I cannot sing that song. But I knew she liked it, so I got up, and I. the music started playing, and I said, girl tell me only this I was terrible and my wife was back there bawling why it was not about the song do y'all get what I'm saying singing is not about octaves and do you come in at the right that's not if we were just in a choir trying to perform for somebody yes that's what it's about we're performing for an audience of one And he doesn't care if you could carry a note in a bucket or not. What he wants from you is worship. There is beyond the azure blue. Come on, do what I'm saying. Are you singing or are you just watching? This is God. Come on, come on. Did y'all see the difference? Some of y'all didn't, but some of y'all felt the difference. There were some people going, okay, okay, I'm going I'm to sing. God is trying to work that in us every day. So keep practicing that and stop getting caught up with words and, I'm uh, not words, with, with octaves and tones. And so. Use those things. Do your best. But understand it's not about that, it's about, girl. Tell me only this, that I have your heart. That's what it's about. My wife got through all the bad singing and heard me. When you read that story in Second Chronicles, I want you to go home and read it. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verses 1 through 30. Or you can read the whole Bible either way. But 2 Chronicles chapter 20, you will see in verse 25 through 23 through 25, after they sang, they went up to face the enemy. And the Bible said, and God gave them the victory. I know some of y'all said, "Well, wait a minute." I want you to go read Second Chronicles chapter twenty. I'm not going to read it for you. Second Chronicles chapter. Please read it and understand worship. This man is about ready to go to war, and he went and worshipped. Hey, we uh, uh, they're, they're, they're invading us. They come on. Let's go worship. And then at the end. In verses 26 through 30, no, in verses 23 through 25, God gave them the victory. Not only the victory, he gave them the plunder. It was so much that it took them three days going back and forth to gather all the stuff that they got from the uh, enemy. And then verses 26 through 30, it says, fear came upon every nation surrounding Israel. That's what worship ultimately is about. It's for other folks to see God in you in fear. So when you worship, ask God to help you fall in love with him. Date God. Fall in love with him because he has already Falling in love with you. Jefferson Street. I love you. Do I do an invitation? Okay. Y'all know the drill. Stand up. If y'all. Are not Christians. We don't hold some kind of magic wand. We have the word of God. It's not our word. Thing that the Church of Christ does, no, ma'am, and no, sir. This is what the Scriptures teach, and we are bound by Scripture gladly. So, if you haven't put Christ on the baptism, here's what you do: you hear the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection. He lived on this earth. He lived a perfect sinless life. He gave his life up. He died. He was buried. He rose again the third day. Why? Because you and I are idiots. <laughs> We're sinners and we come short. Romans three twenty three. For all have sinned and come short of God's glory. And God cannot allow one ounce of sin into heaven. So Jesus came and He paid it all. And so because of that, Jesus said, "If you obey the gospel, First Peter uh, one twenty one. Seeing that you have uh, one twenty two. Seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. So obey the truth. How you do that? By hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, believing that it was Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins and mine. He is the son of God and it's through him and only him that you can be saved. And then uh, confessing that he is the son of God uh, uh, and being baptized to have your sins washed away, that he may fill you with the Holy Spirit and add you to his family, the church. Then the Bible says, walk in the light as he is in the light. I'm going to shock you. Ah, I'm joking. Let God have you because you don't have a better plan. Amen? Sing the song, preacher.